Welcome to How I Met Your Monster, the show where we discuss the introductions to your favorite movie monsters. I'm Zach. I'm Danny. And I'm Casey. And you know what they say, misery loves company. Misery loves company. company. Misery loves company. <laughs> misery loves company. And, uh, <laughs> and they say that two's company, three's a crowd. Three's a crowd. Uh-oh. Bye. Four. You're a whore. I don't. Four, oh. you're a whore. Five. What did you call me? <laughs> Five is for the beehive. <laughs> That's right. Where's Michael Rooker when you need him? Um, today we're talking misery. And more specifically, we're talking Annie Wilkes, who mm-hmm. is our monster for this week mm-hmm. on How I Met Your Monster. And what do you guys think of this movie? I love it. Um... I would just like to say that this is a personal favorite of mine, and not only because I am a little obsessed with the Stephen King. Mm, okay. And by obsessed, I mean I've read more than three of his books (laughs) (laughs) out of his 500 book catalog. Man, I don't know how he writes them so fast. I don't get it. But God bless him. Yeah. He's the king of writing. So mm-hmm. makes sense. Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. He was crowned um. with that name. <laughs> and the second yeah. second place is Prince. He wrote the second most amount of books because he's not a king. He's a prince. And if the king writes the most, then the king writes the second most. What's then the prince writes the second most? Yeah. What's and the then, what's after a prince? A jester. I was gonna say I was gonna say Joker, and I was gonna say Joaquin. What Phoenix are you? Guys, yeah, I was gonna say, are you playing cards? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, talking the jester the does not come family. after the prince. The jester is the person that's being made fun of in court. And who's oh. who's court. Michael Douglas's dad? Um, <laughs> why can't I think of his name? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas. He come well. He's actually he's written more books than Stephen King because he starred in the movie Ace in the Hole. So he's the ace. So he's the ace. Okay. <laughs> Where does Dean Koontz fit into this? Dean Koontz. My Dean mom Koontz loves him. write as many books as Stephen King, so it's not even a competition. <laughs> but I do know Margot Robbie comes in. She's like in fifth place because she was in Mary Queen of Scots. Okay. She's also Harley Quinn. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, Quinn as in like... Quint, which is five. Yes. And she's tied yeah, exactly. with Quint from Jaws. So they, they actually, yeah. they double up. They write their books together. So it's Matt, stuff Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon comes in sixth. Cause he wrote, or he's, <laughs> are we writing in them or starring them or in them or what? <laughs> What's the criteria here? That's a Anything great they had to do with. <laughs> well, Matt Dillon comes in sixth because of the house that Jack built. Oh God. Oh, cause he's Jack. He's Jack. Okay. 
I had something very, else. Very and now cool. I don't remember what it was. Did Paul Rudd oh. comes in seventh. <laughs> Paul Rudd comes in seventh because he was the narrator slash host of the 10. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, uh, my fucking God, you guys. He's right underneath Paul Rudd because he starred in <laughs> the, the musical version of eight and a half called nine. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. And then um, <laughs> Brad Pitt comes in s- s- seventh for seven years in Tibet. <laughs> I was gonna say seven. Also, the only reason these episodes are so long is because I talk too much nonsense. I'm gonna rein that in a little. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that, Casey? Danny. Danny Slim. <laughs> that was a text message from Danny Slim. <laughs> oh my god that's so funny <sighs> have you guys watched anything this week besides misery just that anime still that's it. Mm, okay i actually had a really uh fun little story um it is not horror related but i got to see the new 824 movie um a little early screening of it at the castro mm. theater here in san francisco um marcel the shell with shoes on Oh and my gosh. Jenny Slate was there and she wow, opened no it way. up. They did a Q&A. She did a whole talk. She opened it and closed the show. And it was a I blast. I laughed. I cried. I had such a good time. Not only from the movie, but because of Jenny's um, little stories and anecdotes throughout. Mm. It, was, it was a great time. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Do you watch anything, Zach? Yeah, I watched Gretel and Hansel. Ah. Have you seen it? Yes. How was it? I've seen it. It was good. Um, actually, it was really good. Yeah, it's very good. It was cool, and it was really gorgeously shot, and yeah. just a cool story. Yeah. Um, Do they I flip the script a little bit on the original story? Well, I don't really remember. Was no. like was. Hansel always was Hansel usually like the older one in charge. It's a good question. No, because this one Gretel was like she was older than Hansel and she kind of like took care of him. But I don't remember if that was different in the original. To be honest, I asked that question and now I'm not even sure if it ends like if it's one of those like morality tales or if it's like a happy ending. Mm. Um, so it's a happy ending. It is okay. Oh, I did forget. This is not important. But I did forget that I also just watched last night Insidious 3, which is so much fun. I totally forgot how much fun it is. And that is all, all I will say about that, because, I, again, I'm trying to rein it in. You can say what you want to say. <laughs> well, about tell us movie. a little bit about We're Insidious talking about 3. movies. It's OK. Uh, we it's didn't, the second you know. sequel in the Insidious franchise. Um, and uh, oh, my God, what's her name? Um, Lin Shay really just mm. gets to shine in that movie which is a lot of fun because i don't know if you guys have seen the insidious movies but she's always kind I of saw like, part one okay so she's more of just like a supporting character um but mm-hmm. she's a supporting character in the same way that like tangina is a supporting character in poltergeist where it's like she comes in you know three right. quarters of the way in but she steals the show right so of yeah. course you just kind of like Oh, I used to be so scared Connected. of Tangina. Really? Mm-hmm. She scared That's the shit funny. out of me. Um, is it, is but, I, her, but yeah, her voice. I, mean, I think so. And she was like, just, she's just like small. 
Yeah. And just spooky. But she was like an old woman, but mm-hmm. she's like not uh she's not like a little person. She's just like small. Mm-hmm. And then she had that 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 like childish voice. Yeah. And it just it always creeped me out. <laughs> yeah. Um but is part is Insidious Three, is that like the keys? Something about the keys? That's part four. Um oh, part okay. three is a prequel. And it's actually so all of them are written by Lee Winnell. This is the first one mm-hmm. that he also mm-hmm. directed. So James Wan. It's so funny. So Jimmy and I were kind of commenting on this fact that James Wan does not like to direct trilogies. You know, he did well. Okay, I mean, okay, that's kind of cheap because he only did the first Saw, but then he only did the first two Insidious. He only did the first two Conjuring movies. It's like he does two. That's enough. Pass the torch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to step back as executive producer and hand the reins over to someone else, which I just thought was a fun little fact. He's making a movie called Megan about artificial intelligence. Oh, oh, is that that with the doll? I did see that picture. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to do one. He's going to do a sequel. That's it. I'm not sure. I just know that his name was on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is he going to do another Aquaman? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one, I think they may have wrapped, but I'm not sure. Um, they okay. were supposed to do a spinoff because have you have you seen Aquaman? Mm-mm. Unfortunately, <laughs> well, well, you'll know then. In Aquaman, there are these creatures that Aquaman fights. They're called the Trench, and mm-hmm. you watch it and you're like, okay, you can see that someone has some horror roots coming into this because they're these like creepy creatures of the sea. Um, and they were going to do a spinoff, and it was just going to be about it was more of like a horror. Mm take on a dc movie that would have been so much cooler it would have been fun but it got canned so watched aquaman one night because i fell asleep on the couch and i woke up and it was like 10 minutes into the movie and i was too tired to get the remote (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mind it of the dc movies um i i don't mind aquaman actually i I had fun with it from what i remember i also just i love james wan and i love patrick wilson well, um, have you seen Joker? I don't think you have. No. Because that's uh, the best DC movie ever made. Is it? Have you seen Shazam? Yeah. I couldn't watch it. Shazam. Oh, I love I got Shazam. like 20 minutes into it and I turned it off. Oh, I was thinking like the Shaq one. Kazam. Oh. Kazam. The K. <laughs> Joker's the best DC movie ever. And Dan's like, have you seen Kazam? <laughs> <laughs> No, but speaking of horror directors <laughs> doing DC movies, that's from David S. Sandberg, who did Light the mm-hmm. Lights Out short and feature um, and Annabelle 2. Yeah, something about. Yeah, you turned you turned me on to him like he was and he's got all those YouTube videos. Oh, and that's, such great videos on there. He's very um, informative. And I love that he just like shares the process and all the cool behind the scenes stuff of how he works. And totally like super stuff, raw, yeah. super vulnerable. Just like, this is it. This is mm-hmm. how difficult it can be, but also kind of like how doable it all is. And yeah. And like those shorts secrets. that he makes on YouTube and he will, they, they look so good. And then so he like good. breaks them down yeah. afterwards. And he's like, Oh, he goes through step by step and he's like, this is, we just used like this light bulb for this yeah. and this or this. And then, um, yeah, you're like, so where cool. do you, what was your well, rental house? He's like, Ikea. <laughs> like, oh, okay. yeah. We'll have to, um, I'll put some links to those videos in the show. Totally. Notes Cause we, we haven't talked about our show notes in a while. So no, uh, put in the show notes. Um, but speaking of trilogies real quick, and it's a fitting time to talk about this, I think, because it was just announced today that the Batman, 
uh, sequel got greenlit with Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson and all those people returning. I want there to be just a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want everything to like turn into a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. They had, they did that with Ben Affleck, but it wasn't good enough. So they didn't make any more. Yeah. That was like an accidental but, inadvertently. Yeah. They're, they're like always setting up something for the next one. Yeah, and like, course. I just want it to be like, here is an installment of Batman. This yeah. is well, it. Like, I'm not going to go. I'm sorry, what? but they don't care what you want. They want to make money. <laughs> I understand this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to your point, though, Zach, it's like because they, you know, like the whole model with like especially Spider-Man because those movies come out so frequently. It's like you may as well do that because you're going to reboot it anyways in like two years. So make a standalone movie and then just reboot it instead of a sequel. You're still going (laughs) to, you know, get an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that goes back to your point, Casey, about making money like it's. Not like, like, like you said, like, they're just going to keep making them. Yeah. And yeah. so why does like one director have to take over for like three movies at a totally. time? Yeah. <clears throat> I think we're due for our next Fantastic Four movie too. Oh, it's coming. I thought there was yeah. one. It was Greenland. Coming out. Well, yeah, they made one, but they have, but to keep the rights, they have to make a new one every like six or seven years or whatever. Well, now that, now they're going to be officially part of the MCU. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah. They, okay. they did the official go ahead. Thumbs up. The last one was done by who did it? Josh Trink. Yeah. So it ended up like not being he doesn't even want to be associated with that Fantastic Four movie because apparently they destroyed it after he made it. That was like uh, I I read that about Ty West and Cabin Fever 2. Oh, really? He made Cabin Fever 2 and then like they just butchered it. And so he like made them take his name off of it. Wow. Yeah. That's what I want to do with a lot of my older articles from previous jobs over the years. Please take my name yeah. off of this. Does it make you pretty miserable? Makes me pretty miserable. And it was filled with the title of this movie, Misery. Oh, my goodness. That's well, a, well, guys, we just did it. What a natural <laughs> segue. That's right. <laughs> Casey didn't even plan it. It just no. kind of happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? I mean to do that. well since we're here do you guys think it's time to meet our monster yeah let's do it as annie wilkes probably said once in her life get on with the cock-a-doody show she's one of my favorite monsters um because like i don't know i guess i guess humans scare me more than things mm. i know that aren't real sure it's even more scary you know apart from just being like a human character is the fact that she was actually based on a real person oh. was she do tell supposedly she's based on janine jones who was a nurse who mm-hmm. literally just like annie wilkes um spoiler alert Guys, watch watch the movie if you're going to listen to the episode. But you don't have to. We love that you're listening. Uh, she killed up to around 50 kids in the span of uh, two years. She was working as a nurse. Man. But yeah. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah, what yeah. year did that happen? I don't know. Um, but also, 
one quick thing. So Annie Wilkes was based on a real person, but do you know why Stephen King wrote the book in the first place and wanted to write about Annie Wilkes? No, I do not. Which I thought was kind of fascinating. Um, in an article with Rolling Stone, he said, and I quote, Misery is a book about cocaine. Annie Wilkes is cocaine. She was my number one fan. Man. But yeah, I thought that was fascinating and terrifying. The fact that your head goes yeah. there from like, you know, for a story from like a real life uh, battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it Cujo that he doesn't remember writing? Mm -hmm. That's wild. Oh, I'm actually reading Cujo right now. That's so fitting. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. it's your fourth Stephen King one, huh? Yeah, that's my fourth. Good job. Or four. <laughs> Cody's parents are so sweet. They've been getting me these um, for like for my birthdays and for Christmas. They get me a Stephen King book from this collection. Where, so these beautiful like red leather bound Stephen King books with like gold script. And they're so pretty. So I have four right now. I have Christine, Misery, Carrie, and Cujo. Have you read Misery? Never read Misery. I've only read The Shining, Carrie, Salem's Lot. One book of short stories. I'm reading Cujo. I feel like there was one more. Oh, and then I wrote, I mean, I read his memoir on writing, but okay. mm. I think that's it. Nice. Nice. Love Steve. I read The Stand one time. That took me like two months. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, and it, read the stand. I read it. That was good. The Stand. That one is intimidating to me. Someday I want to mm -hmm. try it out, but is it a, like, do you feel like it's a quick read? Oh, well, it took me two months, but, oh. um, well, that just depends on how fast but it's like slog it wasn't like, uh, yeah, no, no, no. It was like, I was always like, oh man, I want to, I couldn't wait to pick it back up. That's good. Right now I'm reading, you've got red on you, which is how, um, Shaun of the dead was brought to life. Me too. So are you Zach, reading that too? We're like the same person. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I saw it at the bookstore. When I got, yes. did you get it? Like. It's a nice fucking book. Mm -hmm. Like the pages are all thick and they've got that red the like red on the outside. And exterior. Yeah. And it's got like the built in bookmark. I love mm -hmm. books that have built in bookmarks. It's so fancy. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. But today we're talking Annie Wilkes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've learned a little bit already about the real life Annie Wilkes uh, character named. What was her name again? Uh, Janine Jones. Janine Jones. Janine Jones. She operated between 1960 and 1972. Oh. Okay. Um, well, now let's meet Annie Wilkes. So Annie Wilkes, uh, born and raised in California. She graduated valedictorian from Harry S. Truman High School in Bakersfield, California in 1968. Mm -hmm. um, she went to the University of California at Los Angeles Nursing Program, where she graduated magna cum laude. And uh, then she accepted a job in the elderly care unit at the MacArthur Community Hospital in Manchester, New Hampshire. So she went from California all the way to New Hampshire. To then to Colorado. So you're telling me she likes to see the sights and she's a goddamn sweetheart for trying to help Does people. this movie not take That's place right. in Colorado? I don't think they say where this movie takes place, do they? I think it takes place in Colorado. It's Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, is, it? is it like Silver Springs or something like that? I specifically Googled um, it because I asked Cody if he was familiar with it. Yeah, they said. Um, okay. And The Shining is also, also takes place in Colorado. But mm -hmm. here's the thing. Have you guys watched uh, the series Castle Rock? No. I watched the first season. So season two is all about Annie Wilkes. 
played by Lizzie Kaplan. Kaplan. Yes. And in it, and I don't know how many creative liberties they took, which I'm sure they took many, um, but she travels around a lot. So I wonder if she did travel across the country and maybe then ended up in, cause I'm guessing like if she, you know, got in trouble, got arrested, all that stuff went down. Maybe she like took off to Colorado to be like, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to just like yeah. live isolated. Yeah. Yeah. When she was 11, her father, Carl Wilkes fell down the stairs uh, supposedly at his uh-huh. house and died. And he was found by Annie when she was 11 oh. during her, um, employment at all these different hospitals. Um, a nursing student was found dead after falling down the stairs. Yeah. In the movie that nursing, that woman falls down the stairs. And then on the next page, it said that she received some sort of like promotion at work. Do you think those things had to do for with not falling down the stairs? No, like she killed the woman who was going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could that could very well be possible. Um, but I also don't think that she killed people just to get ahead. But just based on like the number of babies that she killed. Yeah. Well, sure. But if you can kill a bunch of babies for no reason, you can certainly kill somebody to get their position at work. Oh, no, I understand. Like, I'm not disagreeing with her potentially pushing this woman down the stairs so that she could take her position when in Rome. I just, know? I just don't think that was her like sole motive in all the times that she killed people because. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder what, because now that you've mentioned that, cause I hadn't read the book, but in the castle rock show, they, they, they show the whole backstory with her, her dad falling down the stairs. Huh? So I can see the connection of like why she might want to like recreate that for whatever reason. But the mm-hmm. the kid killing, I don't get it. Is I wonder if is it something? I don't know. Maybe it's like she's killing innocents or something because she lost her innocence at such a young age. I don't know. Maybe, but well, she's like um, like really young babies too, like two days old, six hours old. Yeah. Um, well, those are probably the easiest ones. Uh, those are like the easiest ones to get away with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But after all these babies started turning up dead, she was brought in for questioning and um, they started calling her the dragon lady. Hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm interested to read the book and see why um, she's called the dragon lady. But which um, it's funny to me because all these people were falling downstairs in Annie's life and Kathy Bates a few years later would go on to play Dolores Claiborne in Dolores Claiborne. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is focused around the lady that she takes care of falling down the stairs and dying. And there's a whole investigation about Hmm. um, like, have you guys seen Dolores Claiborne? You know, I've never seen it. No. Um, I've been wanting to read it first, but um, Mm. I know like, you Um, know, it's one of those movies that's been around so long that you kind of just know most of the story, but Right. Um, but I just thought that was funny. Like Kathy Bates and like Annie and Wilkes Stephen and King this, and Stephen weird. King. Like, yeah, that almost feels like an inside joke at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I felt um, obligated to take the role. Just it felt wrong giving that specific niche quality to any other actor. <laughs> but I paused the um, I paused the movie when he was looking at that scrapbook on each article, I paused to read the articles. Oh, smart. And 
they just repeat after two, yeah. sometimes That's two funny. or sometimes three paragraphs. It's just the same thing again, just That's so funny. you can fill it up. I was like, Nobody's oh, going to stop this. And look at it. <laughs> right. Nobody's well, it's also kind that. of smart too, because like then wherever you look, like you're getting the information. Right. Because you can't read it all in the time that he right. flips the page. So oh, that's smart. they give you like a few options to read it. Plus, they're filling up space at the same time. That's a good idea. Um, so that's pretty cool. But, you know, a lot about Andy Wilkes, we're going to learn throughout the course of this movie. So should we get into it? Let's freaking do it. Let's do it. We open up on a few items that are going to come into play later in the movie. A typewriter. Cigarette. <laughs> A glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess it might be just, is it an empty glass when it opens? When the we movie see, opens, I think it's an empty glass. We see the bottle, but I don't remember now. No, because I don't think he's 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 drunk it yet because he hasn't lit the cigarette yet either. So like he's about to finish and then. And he, he's drinking um, what is later to be known as Dom Perignon. <laughs> Don Perignon. Don Perignon. When the he, best when champagne. He, the best, best champagne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All those hard G's. Um, and one of my favorite openings in movie history, as soon as he's done with the book, he goes outside, he grabs a snowball with his bare hands because he's James Caan and he's just a man. And James can and he can. He can and he does. Um and it just makes my hands cold every time he grabs uh-huh. a snowball and throws yeah. it. Um, but then we get like this awesome cut to him driving down the mountain road in the snow. We get the song Shotgun by Junior Walker and the All-Stars, which is just so fitting. It's so cool. And then, bam, the Misery title comes on in mm-hmm. that perfect like typewriter font. Yep. yep. And it's so red. good. But I have to say like, it's his own fault that he crashed. He was driving yeah. so fast. He's like, <laughs> la, da, da. he's like <laughs> in la, Anna Ferris in Scary Movie 2, and she's like just driving off. And like, listening to Vitamin C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> the graduation Will you song? shut the fuck up and let me sing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude. Oh, I love those movies. It's a great movie. Okay. Maybe the greatest sequel Dude, of all time. Dude, Scary Movie 2 probably is. It probably is. It is so That's funny. funny. <laughs> My favorite part is when the hand guy is fucking mm-hmm. with the turkey and he says, oh I don't know what God. that is, but I'm going to lick it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris Elliott. Did you guys watch Shit's Creek? I've watched some of it. I liked it a lot, but I just I watched the yeah. first season. Yeah. Cody's he's good. Obsessed, he's Chris yeah. Elliott's good on that show. He's always plays such like ski yeah. characters. <laughs> he always like makes me feel so uncomfortable. Do you remember there's something about Mary? And he's got all the, yeah. like, the, the pimples and he's got like oh, a yeah. white head on his eye. Yeah. Oh god. Oh, is he the he's the friend who gets like you find out gets hives whenever oh, he's around yeah. Mary. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, Did my you guys gosh. ever watch the Tenacious D show on HBO. Mm-mm. Oh, I don't think I ever watched the show. I've seen the movie. Well, he's but their number the one fan. Oh, that's so fitting. Funny. That's fitting so for funny. this episode. Oh, very yeah. fitting. So funny. Okay. Um, and right anyway. after Paul Sheldon, I don't know if we've mentioned his name yet. Paul Sheldon. Paul Sheldon. Um, right after Paul crashes, we cut to a flashback of him in his 
his literary agent's office and they're talking about his new book and Misery Chastain. That's the first time we find out that his character in this series of books that he writes is called Misery. Mm-hmm. And cool fucking name for a character. I know. Also just odd in general. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're committing to just, I don't know, like a non-name for to, for someone to lead, not only to lead a book series, but a book series that's about like kind of trashy romance novels. Right. Right. You know, so I wonder, I wonder what that, I don't know. I wonder if Stephen King based that off of something. Yeah. Because Paul Sheldon, he says in the office there that he never wanted it to be like a series of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For him, I think it was just like a one-off book. And then. That's like you with Batman. Yes. <laughs> I just yeah, want, like I just I just want one, one misery book. Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that video of the customer going into it's it's like a Barnes and Noble or something and she's asking for Paul Sheldon books and that sounds so she's familiar. like freaking that was like out a video that went around yeah and uh, uh, yes <laughs> I do I'm also having deja vu but yes I remember that oh uh, that video is wild and I can't remember now if the lady was like for real or if she was just fucking with it everybody had to have been a bit it had I mean, to have been a it bit. did not have to be a bit. There are people <laughs> that exist that it was a bit are not smart. It was a bit much. It was <laughs> either a bit or it was a bit much. <laughs> and then we're cutting back to Paul in his car, and some mysterious person is saving him. Hold that. Before she, he gets saved, he goes like this. <gasps> and, oh yeah. And it's like the worst <laughs> fucking pass out scene I've ever seen. That yeah. Is all. How do we let the audience know yeah. that he recognizes <laughs> that her but isn't conscious? Yeah. Well, it looks like his Can eyes are like open. A- <gasps> <gasps> yeah. <laughs> to me, but, it looks like his eyes are always like fluttering, like he's like still semi-conscious. But either way, that was silly. But, <laughs> j- but before we go any further, I have to state this, and I think Danny may agree with me. Casey, I don't know where you fall, probably in the same line, but this is almost like a perfect movie. Yes, it is. Oh, this is. I was actually going to comment on how that was even a perfect opening and a perfect place to do a flashback. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, it's like frustrating how good it is. Ah, so whatever, it. whatever criticisms we say about this movie, as with all movies, they're all in good fun. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. This unless it's might, the town that dreaded sundown. Unless it's the town that dreaded sundown. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, any critique that comes out of my mouth is just like probably just like based out of like my own insecurity <laughs> and, and a desperate need to get people to laugh. Yeah, no, me. I love, I do love this movie, but that part I was I like, that, that was just a little corny for me. Yeah. But yeah. that's the only, literally the only negative thing I would have to say, I have to say about this movie. Oh, so. okay. I'm going to keep you to that. All right, let's do it. <laughs> we should also mention the fact that this is from Rob Reiner, whose uh, previous Stephen King adaptation was stand by Zach, me. What's the title? Stand by me. That's right. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I uh, there's a connection mm-hmm. somewhere because I'm assuming that all connected. Annie Wilkes bought that royal typewriter that somehow in the shifting of things being sold and bought and moved around at one point that was Gordy's typewriter. Oh, love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. He was just passing through and. He sold it at a pawn shop because he wanted to get a God knows what. Fudge sickle. 
Does Stand By Me I take place it. in yeah. Colorado? No, it takes no, place in Oregon. Oddly enough, it's it's supposed to be in Maine, yeah. <laughs> in Portland, Maine. And then they decided, Rob Reiner was like, I, w- I want to make it in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay, that is weird. So it could get it could get from Oregon to Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. It could. Yeah. Totes. I have a question for you both. Now, when Rob Reiner adapted Stephen King's novella, The Body, mm-hmm. and then they obviously retitled it to Stand By Me. If he had done the same thing to Misery and decided to name it after a popular song, does not have to be a song from the 50s. What song do you think he would have named it after? Oh my god! That would have like tied. You should have asked me this earlier. Ooh. I need time to prepare. I know it I'm just popped in my head. On and my I was feet. Like, Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I'm not either. But let's let's take some time. All right. Let's let's I take mean, some time. <laughs> let's let's take a. Let's really not rain it when in. A, on this when a man loves it a woman. A lot. Yes, he does tell her that so he loves kidding. her. Uh, um, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, if it was made in, the, if they did a remake, they could have called it Misery Business, uh-huh. obviously. Mm-hmm. For that, that Paramore. Paramore. Misery Business? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's um, that one. Um, my Girl. <laughs> Why Do Fools Fall in Love? <laughs> yeah. Why do my Fools Girl, that's so good. Yeah, because that, that Misery... Did Misery come out before the My Girl movie? Yeah. Misery was 1990. Are we right? Are we right? right? Is our hive mind correct on this one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, My Girl movie was... uh, Oh my God. It's telling me when My Girl 2 came out. I don't either know. My Girl 1 was 1991. Misery came out in 1990. Yes. Okay. So they would have... So, guys, if Rob Reiner had gone this route and followed that trajectory of changing his titles, this movie could have been named My Girl, which means the movie My Girl would not have been named My Girl, which would have changed everyone's whole perception on this movie. So, in that Mm -hmm. case, what would My Girl have been named because of this butterfly effect of just tragic title changing chaos? My Girl would have been called, I was going to say, don't forget forget your EpiPen. (laughs) Don't forget your everything. <laughs> they just go really yeah, They're just going for it. <laughs> oh, and it. so actually, so my first CD that I got for my birthday when I was nine years old, I got my first CD player and I got three CDs for my birthday. I got Shaq Diesel, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. It's Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq Diesel. You don't know Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> I know Obviously. who Shaquille O'Neal is, but I didn't know I he got, had a rap career. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we calling it a career? Did you did you have I, the OJ Simpson album as well? <laughs> no. No? Okay. No. I got the Forrest Gump uh, score. And I was a great I, score. Oh yes, it is. Now I absolutely love it. But when I was nine years old, I was pissed because oh, okay. I wanted I've, this I wanted the Forrest Gump soundtrack and my mom got me the score. To everything. <laughs> But now, you know, in my older years, I am so glad she got me that because it is amazing. But she also got me Green Day's Dookie. 
Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's so and funny. I yes. memorized, I learned every word of that fucking album. Hell and there yeah. is a song called Pulling Teeth, which yes. is basically just like the Misery setup. And I have the lyrics pulled up here. The first, this is just the first verse of Pulling Teeth by Green Day. I'm all busted up, broken bones and nasty cuts. Accidents will happen, but this time I can't get up. She comes to check on me, making sure I'm on my knees. After all, she's the one who put me in this state. What? What's the name of the song? Pulling Teeth. Oh my god. We should our next step, we should do a mini episode on like an investigative like journey into Green Day's relationship with Stephen King novels. <laughs> yes. There's a story there. This is how the great investigations of our time begin from these moments. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, I trust you to do the research because you're good at this. Yes. <laughs> Zach and I will merely joke about whatever you discover. Thank you. That's okay. Great. So Annie pulls Paul from the car. Yeah. And you can tell mm-hmm. she's a farm bitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. She just she like throws him strong. over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> She throws him up to her car, like up the hill. <laughs> yeah, because strong. not only is he over her shoulders, she's also walking in like yeah. a couple feet of snow. Snow, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the first time we see Annie is just awesome because it's a POV of from Paul, and he's looking oh, yeah. up, and she's the first thing we hear is, I'm your number one fan. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of just know it's all downhill from here. But She's out of focus when you first see her and then it gets sharper as she, as he comes to, and she's just like, it's a, mm-hmm. that POV shot. And she's just like right over him. Ugh. Yep. Oh man. His legs. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. They are that was, so gross. That's some so bruised nasty. up hobbit feet. Business <laughs> yeah. that just well, they were like missing all the hair. Nauseous. Yeah, oh, hairless yeah. hobbit feet. They're like three yeah. times the size of his regular leg. Oh, They're yeah. all purple and bloated. Yeah. Mm. Good shit. It's like I kind of want to like, they look like soft and pillowy. Like I would yeah. tote snap on <laughs> yeah, one. But. For sure. It'd make a great pillow, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, except he'd be screaming and that would just be annoying. So <laughs> I'm like, Paul, I can't <laughs> sleep. Shut up. Annie, Not needle him. Out. Come on. Get, get, put that thing in him. Give him those orange pills. You're using Paul's legs as a pillow and then he's screaming. So you're hitting him with an actual pillow telling him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a guy got to imprison and get some sleep around here? Yeah. Like, shut up, Paul. Um, so now that. Paul is missing. His literary agent, played by Lauren Bacall, is worried. Mm -hmm. So she calls the sheriff in Silver Creek. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is where we meet Buster, who is just the sweetest man ever. Yeah, I I love him and his wife. Yes. I made a note that they deserve their own little, like, murder she wrote sitcom. Oh, my gosh. You are so so right. That For would sure. be amazing. He's like, you can't yeah. talk to me like you're my wife. When you're my deputy. When you're in yeah, this car, you're my deputy. Shut up. 
Yeah. She's like, well, this deputy wants to be back in the sheets with the, with the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> well, you can't because he's dead. He's dead. Aww. And she's probably just like, you know, suffering through severe depression and grief. Mm-hmm. Man, every time, spoiler alert, since I just said it, every time he gets killed at the end, it just, I never get over it. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to like yell at him and tell him to like turn around. Maybe one of the saddest deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, you don't even have time doing to like. job. Get out of there. You don't even have time to like mourn his death. It's just like yeah. he's shot. No. He's out of the picture. And then you never, he falls down. You never see him again. Well, yeah. I was going to say we'll get there, but I'll just go with it. Um, <laughs> it's sad. It. It's sad because uh, he went in there because he was concerned for her. He went back in. He there. was. He, oh, that's he so said, true. Oh, are He's you like, okay? Annie, are you Mrs. Okay? Wilkes, Mill Spokes, are you okay? Are you okay? And he opens the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Although I will say he did not die in vain because although I do think Paul would have tried to fight back, I think watching the intensity of that, you know, like him like being shot yeah. to death, kind of like lit the fire in her at his ass to be like, okay, well, it's now or Gotta nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'm in pain. This sucks, but like, I'm going to fucking kill her. Again, hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> she's creepy right off the bat. Yeah. Like day um, two, she's telling him how she used to sit outside his cabin mm-hmm. and like look up at Oof. the light and just like think about what he's doing. The weirdest Oof. part about this, though, is that uh, a lot of people are actually like this with celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like they're just people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's, I feel like Stephen King is just sort of shedding light on a norm within yeah. like celebrity culture. Yeah. Which is right. so which is really disturbing. It's just so wrong. Like everything that's I, I've been thinking about it a lot since like the Will Smith thing, which obviously what he did was wrong, but he's a human, you know? Like mm-hmm. we don't yeah. like you don't nobody expects celebrities to act that way because they're celebrities, so they're supposed to be perfect all the time, but totally. they're not. People put them on a pedestal because they're celebrities, but they're just people well and that's just right in that same scene she picks up his bag and she says i know this is like was so weird she says Uh uh-huh i noticed in your bag the new a new paul sheldon novel and she's talking to paul sheldon but she referred to it as a new paul sheldon novel Mm -hmm. and Mm. it's kind of like just like what you were saying she doesn't see him she just she knows the paul sheldon that's in her brain right and like she's just but she falls in love with both, remember? This is yeah, like, she falls it in is, love with it's, both. It is like creepy fandom culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big Doctor Who fan, but a few years ago, I was like in it. You know, I was doing like the cosplay and everything. And I, I miss it. I would still do it. God, I love that. Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, Zach actually shot some wonderful photos for us. Um, we'll put them in the show notes. Um, <laughs> I got to find them. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I just remember... And this isn't, you know, a slight against anyone in particular, because I don't even think I, yeah, I 100% did not personally meet or do I know anyone who was like this. But when you sort of open yourself up to that sort of intense fandom culture, you see that, I guess, it's more on the forefront of the, that kind of behavior that people can have toward, you know, a fictional show or a real celebrity. Mm-hmm. And they do, they do what Annie does in that, like you just said, where it's, there is this removal of like reality to such an extent mm-hmm. that it is like, it's their thing. Like, yeah. this is just their little thing and their little bubble that they love and worship. And 
there is a line that some, I feel like, do cross where I mean, they sort of, it is very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even people waiting to meet people like that's like approaching them and when they're trying to go out in public like that's even that's not okay right. totally like sure you're like just one person doing it but that probably happens to them all day every day they can't do anything exactly. that they want to do mm-hmm. exactly and to not have that self-awareness because yeah. like yeah sure like that's the thing with celebrities like you kind of you see someone all the time yeah. they're entertaining you so of course like to see them in the real life it's it's sort of surreal yeah. it's like oh shit it's wild yeah yeah um, but to not know better yeah. than to be like, oh, I need to be respectful. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it shows a lot about like who you are. And obviously Annie Wilkes doesn't have that. Oh, and yeah. at the same time, I 100% agree with you guys, but just to look at the other side of it, it's like no one asked them to try oh, yeah. to like dedicate their whole life to try to be a movie star. Yeah. And then I mean, you absolutely know what you're getting into. Yeah. You know, but I mean, yourself up to that. Yeah. I totally am in agreement with you guys, but I just, there is that other side where it's like, you know, that you know what comes with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. So Chris Evans, before he took the role for Captain America, he said it took him weeks to like actually think about it and really decide if he wanted to do something that was going to change his entire life like that. Mm. Because it does. That's right. And he got really depressed. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you and, think just like you think, oh, he got offered the role of Captain America. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Amazing. Why would you say no? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting to think like, man. Especially as an actor who's like trying to make it in the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you want to get in, but then how far in do you want? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Zach, to your point, though, I, I sh- yeah, agree. Like, I don't want to like vilify like any person who's like crushing on a celebrity or something like that because – most people, I think, do have good intentions. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's a crazy world out there. <laughs> crazy world out there, kids. Uh, <laughs> crazy what world about there, Annie's not. vocabulary? Well, she, you don't she says, swear. She says oogie a lot. <laughs> oogie. Oogie. And I'm sorry for talking like this and making you all oogie. <laughs> like, where does that even come from? I don't know. <laughs> She's like pulling from a well that is self-made. Yeah. You can't just throw that out there into the world. Right. It's a made up vernacular. Yeah, she's she's just like so just like kind of like building on the idea of like her just sort of being removed from reality. Even little things like when she does show him his legs, she it's like she doesn't know better to be like that's going to trigger him. You know, not only mm-hmm. is it upsetting to see because of the accident he's in, but like that's visually jarring and it doesn't even phase her. It's just like, look, and he's like, Jesus, like, I can't look at that. And she's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's just there is this removal from reality. Well, and like she's awareness. Very much like very childlike, including the no swearing in her vocabulary and stuff like that. Oh, but totally. like when she brings the pig in and stuff and she's like, oh, 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 like dancing around and kissing uh-huh. at it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a. For whatever reason, I didn't go into it thinking of her behavior. I mean, yeah, it's it's childlike, but I wasn't thinking of it as her like sort of like going back into like a sort of childlike behavior. Yeah. But then when you told me about like her backstory, mm-hmm. losing her father, mm-hmm. and then when you find out like she clearly targeted children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was something with her childhood that she was either repressing or felt like she couldn't satisfy that makes so much sense. And yeah. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, she. I don't know why I didn't directly make that connection. She like emotionally stopped yeah. growing at age eleven when she found yeah. her dad because she even like totally coming up here in a minute. She even goes into like temper tantrums. Yes, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. Yep. And it's like in the same yeah. way you can't talk to a kid. Right. It's just like, what are you doing? Stop. Relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, fascinating. Oh yeah, we should also point out the fact that Kathy Bates won the Oscar for this performance. Dude, yeah. She gives yeah. me deservedly chills in this so. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so wild yeah. the range that she has in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so which impressive. made me wonder like and I guess you could call this more of like a thriller than a horror movie. Um mm-hmm. but like the way that a lot of the awards, especially the Academy Awards, kind of, you know, they're known for like ignoring the horror genre. Yeah. And then you think like Kathy Bates won the Oscar for this. But like, for example, Tony Collette for Hereditary, who was, yes. was amazing, yeah. doesn't even get recognized or yeah. nominated. Yeah. Um, and so it's like you wonder how they went from that to where we well, are now. This is coming a year before, I want to say a year, a year or a year or two before Silence of the Lambs swept and Anthony Hopkins won. Yeah. Okay. So either, so there's like a lot of ways you could look at it. Like that could have just been, you know, maybe they were kind of giving awards to too many sort of like, for lack of a better word, like kind of, well, that sounds mean because I don't even, (laughs) I like these movies, but like more hoity-toity, a little uppity, quote unquote respectable movies mm-hmm. well um so maybe they felt like they needed to sort of like expose themselves to that they were hungry for it but then you look at like you could also argue that there is that fine line between what they're willing to celebrate yeah you know a movie like you know Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men I mean even well that one best picture so No Country <laughs> for Old Men Silence of the Lambs Misery they are like you said like thrillers yeah were hereditary, yeah, but then Silence of the Lambs goes in some pretty wild places. Yeah, yeah. I, I think hereditary though. Okay, so it is. I think it's quote unquote elevated horror. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's just probably a little bit past the point where like people probably didn't give it that much attention as far as awards go because it was like you had to think about it, and there yeah. was yeah. way more to it than just a woman kidnapping her biggest fan and yeah you know mm-hmm. i mean obviously we're watching it and and doing what we're doing we're discovering that there's more to that but in hereditary you actually have yeah. to think about any all of it to understand even what how to how it ends you know right right yep it also yeah and to that point hereditary has like a really surreal sort of third act mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. even just like the last few minutes of it are just so bizarre yeah. and i wonder if that if like that made some kind of impression, like that last, like what it's leaving you with may like leave an impression in a potential voter's mouth. Yeah. Whereas misery ends in a more traditional way, even silence of the lambs, Mm -hmm. no country for old men sort of has like a non-traditional ending, but it's still kind of, you know, you're not ending with like someone like sawing their neck off and (laughs) you know, it's not (laughs) that crazy. Right. So I wonder if like, if hereditary had sort of still, kind of went all in on the crazy in that regard, but then kind of ended it a little more traditionally if maybe it would have been regarded differently. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm just, just pulling that out of my ass and just thinking like what it is, like what is stopping them? Because 
Silence of the Lambs has someone who literally rips someone's face off and wears their skin on their face. Yeah. It's right. like, right. how are you going to argue that's more respectable than hereditary? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so like beyond subjectivity. Yeah. Hmm. God damn it. God damn it. Come on, Academy. Come Horror. on. All genres should be accepted and honored. Yeah. But back to misery. The first time misery. we see Annie in her like agitated state is when she is feeding Paul soup and she makes a comment about the swearing in his new novel. She says, people yeah, don't no talk nobility. like that. No nobility. <laughs> and Which when is she g- pretty, come on. <laughs> come on. You killed a bunch she's of just, babies. She's, she's, yeah. You killed a bunch <laughs> yeah, of babies. Exactly. <laughs> Let's not bury the lead, Annie. <laughs> but the um, so Barry Sonnenfeld was the director of photography on this movie, which is awesome. And so fun. Him and I, whoever's choice it was, his choice or Rob Reiner's choice, whatever. But the lens they use in that shot where she's kind of getting upset about how people don't talk that way and. Mm-hmm. It's this wide angle and it makes her, it makes the room kind of look, there's like a perspective thing going on with her and the room. And it just makes you feel kind of like uneasy Mm -hmm. at the same time where you're seeing like her true colors. Um, She's like, you're just scratching the surface a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you're like, oh shit, there's something more going on here. And just the way they shot that was just, it's just. Yeah, like we're going to visually unsettle you while she's, like you said, like showing her true colors. Right, right. That's fun. And and oh, Buster. Back to Buster. Poor Buster. They're driving and he's looking for the car and he comes so close yep. to seeing the car and it frustrates me like to no end. I just yeah. want to like. Is that when he walks uh, in and he like drops like almost up to his yeah. neck? Yeah. In yeah. The snow. snow. Yep. <laughs> and, and it's like 10 feet over right this there. way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wait, is that when we see annie when she's driving and it starts off yeah we get a lot of like Mm -hmm. povs but it comes from her pov and then we kind of like 180 around we see that it's her so it's this great like he sees her we're we're making connections with like the locals like people are being tied together Mm -hmm. and she's also in on it she's like okay she clearly she's thinking like they're gonna start putting things together i should get prepared yeah oh and like how well i guess he was kind of calm getting back into the car but like how does she know that he didn't find the car right exactly you know what i mean that's a great point Mm -hmm. but now okay i started talking about camera lenses and now i'm in like filmmaking mode but like there must have been you know they had like a like a a platform rig in front of annie's car and so they're shooting towards Oh, it's a beautiful shot. Yeah, yeah. We, we should absolutely dedicate some time to the and then the camera turns behind this, right? And so they still have to get like the whole shot of Annie, but also the shot of him. Yeah, because it's not through the windshield. Because you're shooting pretty wide there too. So then to mm-hmm. like 180 like that, yeah, and then still frame it as like basically like a medium close up on her. It's the same way. It's the same way I feel about. Raiders of the Lost Ark, when it's the truck chase, right? Where oh, the Ark is on the it. truck and he's Indy's riding the horse down and he jumps over and he's throwing the Nazis off and all this stuff. When he gets in the truck to drive it, there's no front of the truck. There's like a fake little steering wheel and then there's nothing in front of him. 
And that's where all the camera and stuff is. But you don't think about that. So yeah. like when you see like behind the scenes footage, it's just like this half of a little truck. And then oh, there's like so a whole crazy. team of people in front of it oh. because you're right there. Like you're in the like where the steering wheel would be you're watching Indy drive this truck. It's just so cool. See, I was so immersed. I didn't even think of that. Yep. yep. Yeah. You're not supposed to. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job. <laughs> Who did that? Spielberg? <laughs> um, no, I think it was um, that Yule Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god house of the dead <laughs> Good um, Lord. so here we meet misery the pig uh-huh. mm-hmm. also known as mizzy later in mizzy. the movie <laughs> which is kind of cute i mean it is cute it's, li- it's a little snout like kind of like tips back when it snorts yeah, it's adorable <laughs> yep. i love pigs. yeah and then yeah. you get that no, like you Annie. said casey like that childlike bit yeah. where man this yep. is like creepy it is Kathy Bates is on in this movie. It is so impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this also this is also the same scene or may come right after where I love it so much because she's just sort of she's kind of letting her guard down a little bit by accident and she's telling Paul all this stuff to sort of like create conversation and he's like, "Oh, so the roads are open?" And she's like, "Um, yeah. er actually yep. only to town." Yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, I made a call." He's like, "Oh, the phones are working." And she's like, um, oh, not no. mine. I use while she's yeah. shaking his piss <laughs> yeah. jug. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a kink. Yeah, she probably. I, I wondered, I was like, she probably don't doing something with it. <laughs> you know, she's not just putting it in the toilet. You see, like, later when you see like her, the shrine to him and her thing, there's like a little jar. Like, <laughs> like it's his pee. It says Paul's pee. Paul's pee. Pee pee. Just in case. <laughs> little pee pee. And this just, like Buster comes in. And he's like, she's like showing him the sh- the little collection. And he's like, what's this? She goes, oh, it's just a little pee pee. 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 <laughs> he's like, is that literally what I'm thinking? Yep. Yep. Pee pee. <laughs> Real pee pee. I mean pee pee. When is. I said pee pee, I mean pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> This is also right after that when she wakes him up in the middle of the night because mm. mm-hmm. she has read through his script and finds or his script. She has read through his mm. his novel and found out that that he killed Misery. Yep. And she and is this, not I would happy. argue, is like no. the monster reveal yeah. of the movie, right? Yeah. Yep. She's like, this is her true colors. Guards are down. This is we're getting the yeah. true Annie Wilkes. She told him that nobody knows that he's actually there. She hasn't called anybody. She hasn't tried done anything to let God. anybody know what's happened to him. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, she says, like, if I die, you die. Yeah. 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 She, she says, says, you better, better hope be- nothing happens yep. to me. Yeah. If I die, you die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote I wrote that quote. And then underneath I wrote Paul's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I look at my notes. and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because she picks up the bed, uh, the foot of the bed and starts yeah, slamming and it slamming down. It and his, his yeah. legs are there. And I told you she's a farm bitch. She's- I love that <laughs> description. <laughs> she can't have misery dying. And so she is, it's kind of like a revenge thing because the book that he wrote is not about misery, but she makes him burn it in the grill. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like your next book can't be something else because misery's not done. You need to bring her back. And Mm so, you know who this reminds me of who, all right, this is a spoiler alert. 
for uh, Scream 2022. So fast forward like 30 seconds. Okay. I go a minute. But this is basically the motive for uh, the killers in Scream 5. Where it's like they did not like where the franchise was going. They wanted to take the reins and like just take control. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's like some like differences in the approach, but basically the same idea of just like bitchy fans who just like can't handle the fact that their beloved thing that they love isn't doing exactly what they want it to do. Yep. Toxic fandom. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, she makes him hmm. burn it. She makes him burn it. But beforehand, when he's like trying to play with her and say, there's so many copies, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. And she knows, but mm-hmm. she's just like, she walks around the bed, just like nonchalantly covering him in lighter fluid as she's just oh, like talking. So scary. Uh, Man, that's where I wrote. I wrote this movie is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, that's uh, the thing. It's like, would you rather be? I mean, no one wants to be imprisoned, but would you rather be imprisoned by someone who is just constant in their like evil behavior, or you never know mm. when they're gonna slip out of it? Yeah, because it's like it almost kind of reminds me of in M Night Shyamalan Split when you like you don't know which version of. James McAvoy's character you're talking to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're like, I think I can get through to this one, but when is he going to change? I think and with- that's almost scarier. Cause it's like a time bomb, but you don't know where that ticker is yeah. on the clock with yeah. her like childlike stuff state though. Like she's obviously way more easily manipulated. Like he's able to mm-hmm. convince mm-hmm. her and sway that's her of, like really outlandish, like ridiculous things that. Yep. An adult wouldn't believe if they were putting somebody in that yep. situation. Right. That's a good point. Cause we're seeing this from like, we're understanding that Annie obviously like knows so much about Paul and like from his, the way he writes to like, even just his little rituals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Paul's kind of journey here is sort of kind of doing the same with Annie. Like, how do you think, like, mm-hmm. what's your process? How can I sort of beat you at your own game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a great writer. Yeah. He knows his characters. Yep. Yeah. And he's just another villain. Yeah. Uh, she sets him up with his writing desk. Speaking yep. of that and gives him, speaking of uh, knowing his whole process, she sets him up with this writing desk and then gets him the smudgy paper. Yeah. What an idiot. What yeah. the F, Annie? What the f- And she does like this what little like. What the cock like, What the cock duty Annie? <laughs> and she does like this sad little, mine costs the most. Why mm-hmm. is it, why does it smudge? Mm-hmm. Kind of felt bad for her in that moment. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Okay, Pamela Voorhees, like, knock it off, guys. <laughs> she just loves Paul, and I love her for loving him. Yes, and she but it's still just like, abducted him and kept him in the home and is drugging him every day. And yes, she bought him expensive paper. Is that paper. not technically what all mothers do with their kids? They <laughs> quote unquote abduct them <laughs> and take care of them. Sure, um, Danny. I think I felt bad for her in a different way where it's kind of like, I feel bad for the people who are like, Oh girl, you don't know a discount. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like they just need to have the most expensive stuff, no matter what it is. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. always have to have top of the line, always have to, you know, the new iPhone comes out. They're like first in line to grab it. Well, yeah. Totally. I mean, look at, and, Annie's outfits. Of course, she's that kind of person. <laughs> you got to be like Danny on this podcast, drinking his Josh Sauvignon Blanc and only now telling you it's from Josh, which is like twelve ninety nine. 
Who drinks Josh wine? I've drank it a few times. (laughs) Josh. Although I will say Josh wine is not bad. No, Um, it's not. So if you want to sponsor us, Josh wine, I'd be happy to get drunk during every episode. Oh, man. Yeah, we need a fucking alcohol sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, we'd get alcohol to sponsor us. That's how we we kick off. (laughs) Great. Um, <sighs> but yeah, so that's how I kind of felt bad where she's like, but it's the most expensive. Why is it not the best? And I'm like, well, yeah. you know, well, then sometimes. she slams the box on his legs. So how does that make you feel? Oh, Still feel yeah. bad for Annie? I don't feel, I feel sad for her. I don't feel bad. Well, I guess that's the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the same thing. <laughs> oh, so speaking of like, we were talking about like, you can't help but like go into like the filmmaker headspace. Mm-hmm. I was looking at just sort of like the blocking of the scene and the staging of the characters and obviously like we've seen this movie a few times or at least more than once. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's coming. And I remember just kind of watching it because I was like, he's kind of tucked into that chair, you Mm -hmm. know, into that table. Like, how does she do that? And if you watch, he's, he just kind of rolls out Uh just like casually. And I'm like, you idiot. What are you doing? (laughs) You're old. You're opening yourself up as a target. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's like being crazy and he like makes himself more vulnerable. He's like, hey, yeah. hey here I am. <laughs> I'll just come out in the open. It's like drawing a target on it. Do you have any red paint? <laughs> but I remember thinking uh, in this scene, like, why can't she just be reasonable? And then I remembered yeah. that she's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. She's a little yes. unhinged. A little, a smidge. a little unhinged, yeah. So the reason he sends her out for new paper is because he sees the uh, bobby pin on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get her out of the house. So she does. Mm. He finds the bobby pin. He he uh, surprises himself by unlocking the door. He's mm-hmm. kind of just like I doing it, hoping it's going to work. And then it does. And he's, oh, kind of surprised. <laughs> and so now he's out through the house and he's he's discovering. And it's this movie does such a good job at just building suspense um, yeah. in these scenes. I mean, not just the ones where he's outside of the room, but in all of them. But um Especially like they take it to another level of suspense when he's yeah. outside of the room. And well, if you listen, you can literally hear the ticking clock. It's like, it's like, yeah, the bomb is going to blow. Like, don't fuck it up. Yeah. It's a good thing. She drops that paper on the front steps. huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're like waiting like what something has to happen. There's no way she's going to catch him. And then it's like, oh, dang it. And it's such a good detail because the the penguin that he knocks over and he doesn't see which way it was setting at first. And so he just catches it and puts it back. But he does know enough to like move the pills forward again, which is like it's Mm -hmm. so frustrating because he's not it's not that he's not smart enough to do it like he knew to do that. But he yeah. just didn't see which way that. Uh. Yeah, you're right. If you watch that scene, he really it happens so quickly that there's yeah. no way he could know. Mm-hmm. But you want to know what's annoying? This is just like a catch. This is a little um, script supervisor is not paying attention today. <laughs> but a little fast forward when they're having dinner, the penguin sh- is. Um, she already knew about it. Remember, because oh, she? she mentioned oh, so it she at the mean, end, so hmm. she already knew about it. She just let it happen until it became a problem. Okay. Hmm. Um, okay, that's fair. Because Sorry. I thought the same. No, I thought the same thing when I saw them at having dinner. I was like, wait. And then I realized at the like, end, she says, yeah, my penguin that you knocked over. I know you've been out before. My penguin was fucked up. That, okay. Mm-hmm. That's Which I don't want okay. to admit that I'm like Annie Wilkes, but um, I ooh, I pay very close attention to detail. So I, like, <laughs> I noticed shit like that, too. <laughs> 
I just assume, but if that was me, I'd be like, oh my God, my house is haunted. <laughs> Even if I'm you like, had oh, no. a man trapped in a room? I'm like, oh no, Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul, I'm calling a priest. This house is haunted. We need to get it blessed. <laughs> He's like, oh God, this is convenient. <laughs> Yeah, he makes it back to the room, and he is. He's like, yeah, I think someone sweaty. also opened the door earlier. <laughs> I think someone came in here. Yeah. Is he on the floor at this point? When is he on the floor? He's on the floor in the kitchen. Oh, that's right, because he goes to the back door, uh-huh. and we're at a low angle, and it's a Dutch angle, and so you're already uneasy. And then, oh, those Dutch the, angles, mm-hmm. those Dutch angles, they'll get you every time, and then. It's all in the the editing, I think, in this because it's with the music and it, the the way they cut back and forth between her and him and her and him and her and him. Ugh, gets your heart. But also, your let's not racing. undermine his performance there mm-hmm. because the second he realizes that she's here, he James Khan transforms in that moment. Mm. The intensity at which he is crawling back to his is so visceral and intense. I'm mm-hmm. like, because oh! <laughs> he looks so <laughs> yeah. scared. He uh-huh. looks so genuine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That was, that was like the kind of commitment you need to sell those scenes. And he, oh, yeah. he nails it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. You never, like all the characters in this movie, you never believe for a second that they're not those people. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially Sheriff Buster. <laughs> Sheriff Buster. Speaking Love of Sheriff, guy. Um, we get the police chief because now they found his car. Yes. They have found the car uh, in the helicopter. And the police chief is that man. What's his name? Who's in everything. Who's in everything. He was in Needful Things. He was like, the, oh, yeah, he's in Needful Things. That's right. I was like, well, he was in a Stephen King thing. What is that guy's name? He has a very dis- distinct voice. All I can think about is Emmett Walsh, but I know that's not Emmett Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's J.T. Walsh. J.T. Walsh. J.T. Okay. Walsh. So I was right about a Walsh. I wonder if they're brothers. There. Ah, that would make sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the bad guy in Breakdown. Oof. That movie. Let's talk about, you know, when we talk about misery and the suspense in this movie, that is just on point. Breakdown. That was a defining, like, movie for me in my formative years as a child. Was it? Okay. <laughs> And I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Okay. I watched it in my, probably my late twenties and for the first time. Okay. And I was literally on the edge of the couch. It's so good. Oh man. It's so intense. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's get back into this. Um, let's get back into it. Okay. Yeah. They find Paul's car with JT Walsh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not to be confused with Emmett Walsh. Not to be confused. No. Nope. Unless you're just normally confused. And here is where we are introduced to the famous cock-a-duty car line because I forget how it's set up, but she's talking about cliffhangers, which she calls them chapter plays. Yes. Yeah. She's like Uh, correcting him. She's like, I know what they're called. Well, she's talking about one that she went and saw in the ending. Uh The man man. flew off a cliff and died. Uh Yes, because she's kind of calling him out for the bullshit. She's like, don't try to get that past me. I know all about this. Yeah. Right. And then they changed it the next time she went to see it. And she Mm -hmm. said, what did she say? She's like, that's not what happened. Yeah, that's not what happened. He didn't. He never got out of the cock-a-duty car. Yeah. Anyway, my favorite was Rocket Man. And once it was a no breaks chapter. 
The bad guy stuck him in a car on a mountain road, knocked him out, and welded the door shut, and tore out the brakes, and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week, you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. And all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting, This isn't what happened last week! Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us! This isn't fair! He didn't get out of the cock-a-dooty car! God, that just says so much about her because she was young at the time when she saw that. So, like, this headspace she's been in has just been, like, consistent ever since she was younger, which mm-hmm. is just that much scarier. You're like, you just have not developed. Like, you have just been living in, like, the state of, like, arrested development for, God, mm-hmm. you know, a few decades at this point. Yeah. She Ugh. also, earlier, earlier we passed it, it was just a silly little part, but she blows him a kiss, too. Oh, yeah. It was very yeah. childish. <laughs> Every time I see that scene, I think that he's going to grab it and then turn around and flip her off. Yeah. (laughs) But but it's later in the when he's out the window that he flips her off. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's my favorite part ever. (laughs) Hi, pumpkin. Middle finger. She's like, oh, you kidder. You're kidder. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But he he starts emptying his his pills mm. into the mm-hmm. paper to keep it, you know, to build up enough to try knock, knock her, her out. out. Yep. I don't know. Like, was he trying to knock her out or was he trying to kill her? I mean, either would work. Well, <laughs> yeah. The tricky yeah. thing is, is at least for me, I feel like it wasn't totally firmly established what the pills do. Mm-hmm. Like, do they knock him out? Or, Cause you would think that if they knocked him out, she would know if he wasn't taking it because was she trying to take advantage of him? Well, not like, I don't mean that in like yeah. a sexual way, but like, right. Right. Um, I mean, they would there, but I guess that's maybe not important. They were really strong painkillers, which would be an opiate, which would, if you took too much, it'd be like, like more off your senses a little bit. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. So yeah, if nothing else, he was probably just planning on incapacitating. her. Yeah. To try and figure. And then, you know, I'm sure he had, but I would never ever, incapacitate someone who had such prowess in the kitchen with not only cooking meatloaf for this beautiful dinner, but adding the special secret ingredient that is spam. Yeah. Spam. That's just rude. And she serves spam to him on the the plate with the scrambled eggs. Oh yeah. Yep. There's two pieces of spam there. This is just Um, someone who really knows what she's doing. So, um, I found this here on the internet. The drug is called Navril. Yes. In the, in oh, the it's real. No, no, it's not real. No, it's ma- it was made. Oh, okay. It's called Navril. Gotcha. Um, it says Navril is a fictional drug. It is described in the book as a strong and addictive pain reliever. And its main ingredient is codeine. Yeah. Um, it comes from a tablet. It comes in tablet form and has a bitter taste in the film. Navril is encapsulated and tasteless, which makes it easier for Paul to slip into the wine. So a little bit different from the book, but not really. Yeah. You know, going back to just to kind of like jump back into Annie's behavior overall. It's just interesting now knowing kind of what Stephen King said about it being sort of her being kind of representing cocaine 
and how mm-hmm. it is so many, like it's just highs and lows. It's so unpredictable and mm-hmm. it's manic, but then it's depressed and then it's this. And that is just, I don't know that it's fascinating. Yeah. The fact that he was able to not only craft a character out of that, but a, like a genuinely complex character who you can almost in like, I feel like even Paul does, especially in the end, almost in a way kind of empathize with her a little bit. Like you see that she's struggling in her own way, at least. Well, she's definitely got mental issues. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a moment where you're like, fuck, like if you just had someone looking after you, like, would you be this bad? I think that I think that it would be a lot easier to have sympathy for her if she hadn't killed a bunch of children and her husband and her. It's true. Colleague. You know what I mean? That is a great point. Yeah. <laughs> I was not thinking you know, just about like it would probably be, murders. It would probably be easier to feel bad for Mrs. Voorhees if she um, didn't kill all the camp counselors, you know, but. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Hashtag pro Mrs. Voorhees. Hashtag moms for life. <laughs> uh, parenting with Pam. <laughs> so. Um, Paul brings misery back to life. He, he says it was a, a bee sting that she like (laughs) slipped into a coma. (laughs) Yeah. It was, uh, wait a second. Is (gasps) it time for the how I met your monster conspiracy (gasps) theory of the week? Oh my God. No, because she actually dies in my girl. He dies. Hit it. Telling me that NASA is going to kill the president of the United States with an earthquake. Not exactly the kind of thing a Secret Service agent can like throw himself on top of. The whole Vietnam War was fought over a bit. Howard Hughes lost to Aristotle Onassis. This is our third issue this year. Conspiracy theory. Macaulay Culkin's character is a descendant of Misery Chastain. But he dies. Okay. What are you talking about? Does he not die? Yeah. Or does he not die? Yeah. So, but her descendants don't actually die from the bee stings. But my girl is set in the 60s. My girl's set in the 60s. Misery Chastain lives in like the 1800s. 1700s. Whatever. Oh, wires crossed in my brain in such a way that I was like, wait, this was in 1990. But the real Annie Wilkes was in, <laughs> you said, in like the 70s. But the, I was no. like, wait, what? Misery Chastain, who is like a fictional character um, in the 1700s or whatever. Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> just Macaulay Culkin, is a descendant of her. Macaulay okay. Culkin is fictional. <laughs> Doubling down on the conspiracy theory of the week. My girl is about... Veda, who is wants to be a writer and she, you know, uses like her the money that she steals from Jamie Lee Curtis's character to do the writing program, mm-hmm. you know, in that summer course. What if she wrote a story about Macaulay Culkin? Like she doesn't even have a best friend. No oh one dies. She writes God. about him because she's obsessed with the misery books. But because misery dies in the end, because Paul Sheldon kills her, she ends up writing about fan fiction about a relative of Misery Chastain who ends up being Macaulay Culkin's character who dies of a bee sting. Whoa. You guys. (laughs) 
Why aren't we getting paid for this stuff? <laughs> you guys. This is some pro bono bullshit. <laughs> Danny, does that have any holes in it? Nope. Pretty solid. <laughs> I was going to say it does have two holes or no, one hole from the bee sting. In the <laughs> or actually several because he gets <laughs> yeah. he several bee stings. <laughs> several because he gets he gets attacked profusely from the, the horde of bees that kill yes. him. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) she finds out misery is alive and she dances around the room in like this weird thing saying the house is going to be filled with romance. And then she says, (gasps) I'm going to put on my Liberace records. (laughs) (laughs) So then they have dinner. And this is the first time that I noticed. Did you guys notice the table? The table, in order to get Paul in his wheelchair up to the table, Annie has raised the table and it is setting on like phone books and like those those tins that have like cookies around the outside of them that always have like sewing utensils or sewing things. No, they come with butter cookies. Okay, that's what's supposed to be inside of them. Yes, old ladies have sewing needles. Yeah. So that like the table is propped up on these things. And I just thought that was so funny. I'd never noticed it before. Until hey, man, this, she picked that table up all by herself. You know why? <laughs> she's a farm bitch. That's she's so funny. She's a farm bitch. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, what if she was just holding it the whole time, just sweating and shaking? She's like, but this is one of those scenes that every time it happens, just like, I mean, every time you watch this movie, it's like you're experiencing it for the first time, even though you know what's mm-hmm. happening because it's mm-hmm. so good. Uh, and she spills the wine and you're just like so, devastated. Do you think that she does that on purpose? I never know. I think I never she know. does. I think she knows something's up. I think that she doesn't trust him in okay. that moment. Mm-hmm. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that every time. That's yeah. such a good point. Uh, you never know. Yep. I wish that we the misery books were more like detective stories or something. So he, she sort of like knows his tricks. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she of knows like how, his, how his how his mind but, works yeah. by the way he writes. Yeah, like he would do yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going through a writing montage now. Yep. And this is where we first see him start to lift the typewriter. And mm-hmm. it's, it's also a Rocky montage. It's very much a Rocky <laughs> montage. <laughs> <laughs> and right after that's over is when it starts to rain and Annie comes in super depressed. And this yeah. is the first time we see like the, I guess it's like the real Annie who's not yeah. putting on a show. And she just like wants to like, I don't know, I guess she like wants to be somebody. She doesn't yeah. want to be just a normal everyday person. Um, mm-hmm. When she says, you'll never know the fear of losing someone like you if you're someone like me. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. It's like moments like this that make me sad for her because like clearly she just her mental health is just in such a bad place. But again, I'm removing the fact that she's I know. a fucking murderer. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like I just want to like it breaks my heart that there wasn't anyone there to just like help. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. something was wrong and like yeah. she was just isolated and. Yeah. I mean, that's happened a lot, especially, you know, like years ago, they didn't treat mental health the same way they do now. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And in the Castle Rock series that focus, the second season that focuses on Annie Wilkes, you definitely, they humanize her so much, even though she does have like all those outbursts and like mm-hmm. psychotic moments, you see so much more from her perspective mm-hmm. that you kind of like get it okay. a little bit more. Yeah. But also again, I don't know. I didn't read the book, so I don't know if they just made all that shit up or right. if they took it directly from the book. Right. Yeah. She tells him, she also tells him that she loves him. And that she put two guns in her bullet, or two guns in her bullet, <laughs> two bullets in her gun. It's not working. She's like, oh, I'm going to get out of this easy. She's putting guns in a bullet. <laughs> She's never going to be able to kill me. <laughs> so right, at, so she walks out in her depressed state. She walks out into the rain with her gun in her pajamas, and she gets in the car and drives somewhere, and. Paul takes this opportunity to grab the biggest knife he can find. In these movies, knives are always like very loud. When, yeah, he's got like clanging. A, have you ever tried to make a knife make that noise? It takes a lot of like doing. I mean, I have Glamdrig, which is uh, Gandalf's sword from the Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I love about it is when you take it oh, out of the sheath, it actually makes sound. Oh, really? Um, I do know that Paul finds her scrapbook, though. Memory Lane. Memory Lane. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. We get all the different uh, newspaper clippings about people who have died and a lot of high school teachers. There was like a hockey coach. There was a former oh. high school coach. There was a used car king. <laughs> oh. There was a another high school instructor on a few of the ones where there's like the obituary of the person dying. She has posted in her scrapbook like a card that says Bon Voyage on like three of them. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, I did see that. <sighs> the first picture we see of Annie Wilkes, I guess not the first one, because they show like a child picture and stuff like that. But it's like the big picture of Annie Wilkes we see in the thing. She <laughs> is channeling her inner Rosie O'Donnell in that picture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she looks just like Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's so funny. Uh, but then Paul takes the knife back to his bed and he's got the knife in his little sheet sling. sling and every time he pulls it out, it makes that shing. Right. Shing. Which doesn't and make like, any sense. Right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. What? what if every time he did it, he didn't realize he was like cutting up the sheets and then he like lifts his arm up and it's just shredded. He's like, damn it. <laughs> It's like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and he comes in and she says, you either cut your nails or you stop that kind of dreaming. <laughs> Good one. Uh, Good one. Nothing like a nightmare reference. That's right. Um, she gives him a shot. Annie gives him a shot. Yes. Um, she no longer relies on the pills or whatever. She, now she's upset. She knows what she knows. Shit's going down. She knows that he's been out. She's going to the source. Yep, she gets uh, some kind of drug in a syringe and just meh, jabs him. Yeah, and I just this part just I delight. It, it brings me so much delight. This scene does. Yeah, of course it does. Oh my god, this is so- amazing. And I think that this is another one of those scenes like when we did scanners and we talked about like the head exploding and like mm-hmm. even if you haven't seen that movie, you still probably have seen iconic. that part. You know, you what know that is. about this scene. Yeah. Yes. And this scene is iconic. Like everybody mm-hmm. that's into horror. If you haven't seen misery, you fucking know about this part yeah. because it is so 
oh, it's so disgusting. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you filmmakers would probably love to make a movie that has like a memorable scene and you're just like, oh yeah, people remember, they know the movie because of this scene. But when you like make a movie this good, yeah, where the whole thing is so amazing, but then you also have a scene that like (laughs) stands out so much. That's like a, it's like a good accomplishment. Good job, Rob. Good job, Rob. Good job, Rob. But yeah, when she comes in and she is like saying all the things like, I know you've been out. I know all Mm -hmm. this stuff. I found your key. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh my God, like shit's about to go down. You're just like so scared for him. Well, that's the thing is his reactions are what makes it so scary when he's like, whatever you're planning on doing, please don't. He just is so vulnerable. Like, please stop. Mm -hmm. Like, you just can't escape. What's funny, not funny, but... In The Shining, when Jack Torrance is running around with an axe, that was actually a change from the book where he runs around with, um, uh, I think it's a croquet mallet. Croquet mallet. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in this case, another Stephen King adaptation where she uses the, oh my God, sledgehammer, I guess. What is she using? She uses the sledgehammer. Yeah. To hobble his feet. Um, Mm -hmm. In the book, she uses an axe. Oh, it actually cuts off his foot, which oh, I thought was what? interesting that they do like a that turn. Yeah, that she cauterizes the wound with a torch. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's a little. I actually almost feel like the hobbling is more disturbing. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also is so she like romanticizes it, too, with like this whole. I mean, the story I say romanticize. I use that very loosely. Well, I mean, does. from like her perspective. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like. Well, in in older time, you know, ancient times, yeah. yada da da da, and it's like stop building it up like it's like this ritual well, that you <laughs> appreciate or I mean, respect. She wanted the house to be filled with romance. It's just the kind of gal she is. Just the kind of she's gal a tough she bitch. She, she's a farm she bitch. Also, she's a farm <laughs> bitch, but she loves romance. She's a farm and bitch. and I think that it's funny too that um, when she first brings him back to the house, she like builds those splints and stuff to put around his feet mm-hmm. to fix them. And then she just fucking destroys all of that. Yeah. Any good that that has done. Yeah. You know how, when misery is swept off her feet, I'm going <laughs> to kind of sweep you off your feet, so to speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In a manner and I love that they show the first one because mm. you're not even, your eyes aren't even open for the second one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not even looking yeah. at the TV <laughs> anymore anyway. Well, I feel like you can't believe they're like, there's no way they're going to show. Cause like yeah. my imagination yeah. is going to, there's no way they're showing it and they straight yeah. up just show it. And like, Oh, so good. Full uh, practical. Effect. And it's so, it's, it's like, so quick, mm-hmm. but you yeah. see enough. Like yep. it's, uh, and it yeah. never gets easier. It never gets easier and the to fact watch that his this feet scene. Are already sore and like damaged yeah. just makes mm-hmm. it so much yeah. worse. Guys, I've lost like a day to stubbing my toe. <laughs> I can't even imagine <laughs> what this would do to me. <laughs> I've lost. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't today. I stubbed my toe. I can't. I stubbed my toe a few weeks ago. I straight up fell on the floor and it hurt so bad <laughs> like cartoon like lose balance sideways just like drop like a tree <laughs> so yeah i would not be mm. i would not survive the annie wilkes experiment yeah and whatsoever. of course i love i love how calm she is when she does it 
Mm-hmm. Especially like we've seen every emotion from her. You know what I mean? So we yeah. know that she's capable of. of yeah. Now's the time this. you decide yeah. to be right? cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's capable of a, a great range of What does of she say? Like, God, I love you. She's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. But, Ugh. but she's, before she goes to the next one, she's like, hold on. Like it's almost oh, over yeah. or something. Yep, it's almost over. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it has to happen. You know, it's kind of like him. Like he's going through all this pain from the first one. And then she says, it's almost over. And he's like, what? Like yeah. you're going to do <sighs> both. Oh my God. Like that's just, ugh. but thankfully, well, I guess not thankfully for him, but thankfully and then for he Paul, dies. Buster, <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> um, Buster makes the connection. He finds yes. the newspaper articles. He he reads yeah. the misery novels, and he finds which that is quote. adorable. He he's so yeah. cute. Yeah. He reads the books, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and he's way into it. And his wife is like, "Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a little strange, but okay." <laughs> misery's being what you say? Misery's being taken to court or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, taken to court. When he goes to the shop to talk to like the general store owner mm-hmm. if this movie was ever remade god forbid don't yeah, don't, don't fucking do yeah, that no, don't touch but it. if it was the guy the shopkeeper would be played by packer from the office he's also in he was in krampus he was oh the, yes the, um, oh, the what's his name he's so i can't <gasps> stand him oh my god um he was in <laughs> i love how he's just taking this bit role and, and <laughs> A misery yeah. remake. He's in Anchorman. He's is he the one that has yeah. the side mouth? What? I think so. He's like bald is that on who top. You're talking about? Yeah. And he's got the hair. Yeah. Yeah. David Keckner. David Keckner. Yeah. Yeah. The sheriff goes to see the shopkeeper. Finds out like, oh, did Annie Wilkes buy any of these books? Well, of course she did. She's obsessed with the guy. Mm-hmm. What else did yeah. she buy? Oh, just paper, the type and kind. Yep. A gun. Some some <laughs> tape. Poisonous gas. <laughs> she bought two guns and one bullet. <laughs> she has a very good explanation, though, as far as why she did all that stuff. Oh, yeah. When you Buster comes I mean? to the house and she's like, yeah. got her story down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially because I'm sure they all know she's a little bit cockadoody, you know. Kukurinskis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They know she's been in all that trouble and that. Mm-hmm. She even said, like, the, the quote that how Buster makes the connection. It's that quote from the book where it's like, yes, man's not the highest judge or something like that. I will be judged by him. And it's all about God. And so he already knows she's a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy. And he comes and he scans the house. Mm -hmm. He turns down a cup of hot cocoa. Crazy. Yeah. That was dumb. Well, He'd still be alive. I was going to say he doesn't (laughs) trust her. It's cocoa. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "Hey, if this is how I'm going out, so." Be also, it. real quick, going back to them at dinner, I just thought of this. She already had known that he was out of the room, so she probably, of course, didn't trust him, and thought that he had gotten into stuff. You know what I mean? So, her knocking well, over no, the line and stuff. I don't think she knew yet that he was yes, out. She of did. The- yes, she did. Because the penguin was fixed. The penguin was fixed, and later she says, "My penguin always faces due north." You know what I mean? So she oh, already knew so about it. She knew she about it, letting... but she but she had not confronted him about it yet. Right. Okay, right. I got you. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. Um, yeah. Yes. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 So he's he's scanning, and yeah, he finds the shrine, the Paul Sheldon shrine. Mm-hmm. With the peepee. The peepee. 
with the little peepee. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the little peepee. And uh, then he fucking he finds Paul, and it's the end for he gets Buster. Got. He gets got. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's when we find out Annie is like, I've had it with this shit. They're gonna come now and yep. find that he's gonna be missing. Now they're gonna come looking for him. We're ending this, Paul. We're ending our relationship. It's a healthy decision. And Paul's got that great idea. Hey, let me finish the book. Yeah, because he knows what he's going to do. Alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts to finish the book, and he's like, "I, I need my three things." And she's like, "Oh, oh I know. I this you need so a match, much. a cigarette, and a bottle of Dom Perignon." Dom <laughs> he's like, "What if his ritual was like?" A grenade, a shotgun, <laughs> like a phone that only calls the police. Convenient. He's like, it's my three things that I need. Convenient. <laughs> and she has like, when he says, uh, she like brings it in and he's, she's like, do I have everything right? And he's like, almost right. And she like gets a little sad. And then he says, mm-hmm. this time we need two glasses. And I swear she has like a little mini orgasm. Yes, right in, absolutely. <laughs> right there. She's like, Oh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's like, yep, I got her now. I got her. (laughs) He's tweeting about it. He's like, oh, my God, LOL, I got her. (laughs) Stay tuned. And he's got this perfect little setup where he has stolen the lighter fluid from the basement. And he sets the whole book on fire. And he's got his. I love when he lights the match with his thumb. Mm-hmm. He just like it's just like badass. so badass, yeah. And then he just and she goes to save the book, and he uses his rocky strength, and he oh, cracks her on the head. So many callbacks, yeah. I love it. Yeah, with the typewriter, and I'm surprised she didn't like get more damaged by that. She's a farm mm-hmm. bitch. She's Sorry. a farm bitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's a hashtag farm bitch. Farm bitch. And she shoots him. <laughs> Luckily, she's a bad shot. Yeah. You're a horrible shot. Well, she had just been, <laughs> she just had a typewriter oh. smashed over her head. So that's true. That's yeah. true. That happens to me every time. Probably a little dazed. Every time I go hunting, a typewriter falls in my head. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. He's all or nothing at this point. And he's shoving the ashy oh, like, books oh, in her yeah. face. Yes. He's like, eat it, you fucking bitch. Eat it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he's like, what does he say? He's like, eat it, you fucking like psycho or something. Oh, it's yeah. So he says satisfying. something very, yeah. But even she, like, when she is now like fighting him, now she's, her her morals have gone out the window. Her, her Christian yeah. morals have gone out the window. Yeah. Her nobility. And she's, she's calling like, him fuck a cocksucker you, cocksucker and all this bitch stuff. ass, cunt ass hoe. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, yeah, this is great. He just like puts a hand to his chest. He's like, excuse Excuse me. me? (laughs) Excuse me. What? Oh my God. Uh, Oh, he pokes her in the eyes and she's like bleeding from her eyes. Yeah. It's good stuff. I remember when I was a kid, my uncle told me that. He said, Danny, if if, if someone ever kidnaps you, he said, put your fingers through their eyeballs and bite their ears off. That was his, and I was like, it's actually a good. (laughs) Bite their ears off. So I like to imagine that during this fight scene, the ghost of Buster floats into the room and says, (laughs) and says, sweep the leg, Polly. What is that from? Sweep. Well, it's sweep the leg, Johnny. 
It's from Karate Kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I watched that movie leg, once. Polly. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can, uh, this just, can we just keep adding scenes on? It's yes. like Goblet of Fire is like, take my body back, Paul. Take my body back to my family. <laughs> <laughs> also, this scene would be so much better if like right before the fight started you just hear like in the background Mortal Kombat just smack it in the head that's fatality <laughs> just falls onto the onto the typewriter because <laughs> that would be false fatality so fitting Buster is there like <laughs> he's like one step away from Paul and he goes like back back forward Y Y X and like, Paul picks up the typewriter and hits her but like it doesn't work so he has to be like <laughs> he low kicks he's got to go a little bit farther away <laughs> that takes her out it's like <laughs> and then he's like oh I must not have been close enough I gotta get closer and then he goes back back forward YK and it's like oh the steel pig to the face <laughs> fatality <laughs> flawless well I guess it wouldn't be a flawless victory <laughs> he got his ass kicked all the whole movie <laughs> Paul Schell wins <laughs> and that's 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 it that's he that. has, Paul has survived a brutal, I don't know, I guess it was a couple months, maybe. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, he's we back in New York. Yeah, we did see all the snow melt, so yeah. 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 He's back in New York 14, is it 14 months later? 18 months later? Oh, I missed that. I think it's 18 months later. But anyways, so he's he's had time to heal and he's on his, he's got a uh, his crutches and, or a cane. cane. I'm sorry, a cane. Uh and he's speaking with his agent and he sees Annie coming through with the uh, dessert cart. And yeah. when he looks up and then it's, it's actually not her, but the girl says, are you Paul Sheldon? And he says, yes. And she says, I'm your number one fan. Yeah. And oh, such a good way to end it. Yeah. It so is. good. I also uh, love that he like thinks he's like, he kind of thanks Annie for helping him because she mm-hmm. did kind of make him think differently about his writing. Yeah. Yeah. What if, yep. like, the biggest twist at the end of the movie was, like, in the credits? <laughs> it, it would just say, like, <laughs> so stupid. It says, starring Lauren Bacall as herself. <laughs> She's not even his agent. It's just Lauren Bacall, the whole movie, <laughs> worried about Paul Shelton. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why that makes you laugh either. <laughs> Before she retired, she just wanted to play herself playing an agent in a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> that was her one wish. She's like, it's going to knock them off their feet. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, this is the episode. I say it every week, but this is the episode I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Uh, well, now it's time to talk about our favorite reveal. And there's a couple, I guess you could say a couple little ones, but there's really just one main reveal. When she comes in at night and starts shaking his bed and she breaks the table over yeah. uh, the wall and everything. But yeah, um, are we all in agreement? That's the reveal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that's when she finds out that misery's dead and everything. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, now it's time for a segment that I like to call the real monster. 
run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man! You're a monster! I'm not a monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me! The real monster for me is whoever gave Annie Wilkes uh, uh, her medical license. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. That's like a process mm. you have to go through. And we've seen her. She is not good at, like, maintaining yeah. her highs compared to her lows. Yeah. So whoever didn't see through that was clearly just sort of, like, just didn't care enough about their job. Yeah. The University of California at Los Angeles nursing program. You'd think they'd be like on their toes, but no. Nineteen ninety, you know. Well, this was probably you know long before that when she got her license. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Nineteen seventy-two, she graduated. Yeah, nineteen seventy-two. Uh, Casey, what about you? Uh, so my first one is global warming because at one point Annie talks about um, you know. The winter's getting shorter every year. She yeah. Great and it has Good. something to do with the ozone layer and she doesn't know if she oh, believes yeah. them or not, but yeah. Global Good warming. call. Good call. The second one is double negatives. Uh, when Annie is watching the dating show, uh, there is a woman talking about how she went on a date with this man who showed up without no tie. And if he showed up without no tie, he showed up with a tie. So, uh, yes, she double negatives. Ties. Or maybe just the girl who doesn't know how to speak proper English. I don't know. <laughs> That's mm, yeah. great. Well, I, I, one of my monsters is on the dating show as well. It's the man who showed up with not no tie, with not no tie. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, the man that showed up without no tie, without no tie. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, he's got the, he's just, he's just the, the a real monster. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> he just um, is. I've he got Paul's, did. I've got Paul's swollen legs. Oh Ugh. yeah. Uh, I've got the way, legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way Paul Sheldon writes his capital E's. Oh, his handwriting is horrible. It's oh, like, I didn't notice. Weird. He looked he like, like two Z's next to each on top of each other. Yeah, he makes like a. It's almost like a pointy B. Yeah, because he like does the loops, but they're like points, and it's just fucking yeah. weird. Yeah, but my number one real monster for misery is blankets tucked in to the bottom of the bed while your <laughs> while your legs are in them. <laughs> Why? It's so like tight and claustrophobic. Yeah, especially when you've got pudding legs. Yeah, you got. He's got the pudding legs, and she's tucking the blankets, and she goes around the whole yeah, bed I tucking my, in. I want my pudding to breathe. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm bottom. sure that she does that on purpose. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah either she does did she it on purpose or not. It's like prison. She's like it's basically like prison bars. <laughs> and you crave that's a blanket. What if she thought that's how she was like locking him in? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, ha, I got you. He's like, okay. He just leaves that night. Like the first night he's there, he just gets into the car and just drives away. <laughs> but I tucked him in. <laughs> um, all right. Do you guys have anything else to add about Stephen King's misery? Other than the fact that it's fucking awesome and I love it yes. so much. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're all in agreement here. Yep. I love it. Uh, as always, listeners, if you have any other information about misery or you've read the book and you'd like to drop some information on us, uh, feel free to send us a tweet at I Met Your Monster 
or reach out on Facebook or Instagram at How I Met Your Monster, or even send us an old school email, Zach at How I Met Your Monster.com. Snail mail, uh, it's accepted, but it's uh, post. not preferred. But uh, where can our listeners find you guys on social media? I'm on Instagram at WolfMotherCasey. I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Danny Salem, S-A-L-E-M-M-E. That's two M's like the candy, melt in your butt, not in your hands. Wonderful. Um, and make sure to check out our website, howimetyourmonster.com, where you can listen to the show, sign up for our newsletter, and uh, stay up to date with things. Even check out our merch store for some cool How I Met Your Monster gear. And uh, we always appreciate ratings and reviews. If you've enjoyed the show, we encourage you to go to ratethispodcast.com slash monster and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. It's really easy and it helps us grow our audience. Uh, so we would appreciate it. Also that. helps with our confidence. It does help with yeah. our confidence. You know? Yeah. Uh, I love a confidence booster. If you just want to say something nice and I don't know, just call it a day. We'll feel great. <laughs> That's right. And get some more um, chipper episodes. And make sure to join us next week where Casey and I will be discussing funny games starring Tim Roth, Michael Pitt and Naomi Watts. Um, it's a pretty disturbing one. So buckle up. <laughs> um, strap in, bitch. We're getting wild. Strap in like Paul on Annie's bed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't get hobbled, though. Um, yeah. And as always, thank you all for listening. Now go meet some monsters. Monsters.